This is Disabled Girls Who Lift. We are reclaiming what's rightfully ours one podcast at a time. It's Mary Beth, Chloe, and Marcia bringing you the thoughts and unpopular topics to get you out of that ableist comfort zone. Welcome, folks. Hello, hello. Happy to have you back on Disabled Girls Who Lift podcast. Today, we have Ilya Parker. We're talking about decolonizing fitness. I'm Marcia from South Florida. Hey, it's Mary Beth from California. And I am so, so, so excited to have Ilya join us today because a lot of our conversations overlap. I think a lot of what we talk about in both of our podcasts, Ilya just started his own, um, overlap. So it's great to have that type of conversation going. But Ilya Parker coming in from Durham, North Carolina. So, so, so excited to have you. Ilya is a black trans person who is a physical therapist assistant, medical exercise coach. He's got 13 years of rehab and functional training experience. Started, like Marcia said, decolonizing fitness. Awesome Instagram, awesome website to follow if you don't already. Um, But it's basically a social justice platform that provides affirming fitness services, community education, and apparel in support of body diversity. So welcome, Ilya, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So we are, I mean, I have actually been following you for a while now. So to have you on here and actually speaking to us is like, Oh, this is nice. I know people fangirl over like celebrities and stupid <laughs> shit, right? But I'm like, yo, this person out here is putting in that work and they want to talk with me. For real. They want to talk with me. Oh, God. <laughs> thank you so, so much. Thank you. We you fangirl so over energy. That type of yes. energy. We need it. I'll we need say. it more. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I'm just curious what made you, I mean, we're all living it. Right, like we're all living in this shit. But what made you wake up and and just decide one day, like you know what, like I need to make something. Like what mm. made you just, just existing to being like nah, I need a little bit more. That's real as fuck. Um, so I guess when I started my medical transition, like it's this whole gatekeeping thing. Um, when you decide to transition, and usually there's a medical piece to it where you have to go to the doctor and get. We'll actually start with the therapist and then the therapist signs off for you to go to a doctor and then the doctor signs off for you to get hormones and then you got to go through surgery and all these different things. And so when I started my medical transition, you know, I experienced a lot of medicalized fat phobia because my my doctor at the time was just like, hey, you need to lose weight. I cannot prescribe you testosterone. They didn't have any diagnosis associated with my weight. Um, It was just literally like, hey, I feel like you're fat. Wow. I'm going to gatekeep you and you need to lose fit. And they had like some arbitrary number, like 50 or 60 pounds. Mm. Um, and then, um, you know, I have no, no, you know, medical backing to tell you why you need to do this. Um, but I want you to lose weight and then I'll prescribe you testosterone. And so that, that began my fitness journey. Um, because I was not, I didn't play sports as a child. I didn't give a fuck about working out. Uh, And so I was like just bombarded with what I have deemed toxic fitness culture um, with a lot of thin folks, a lot of able bodied folks telling me what fitness should look like and how Mm -hmm. I should move. And, and, you know, it was very gendered. And then I was just like, hey, enough is enough. Like I'm not getting what I need and I'm paying a trainer 
to tell me that I look like shit and I'm paying a trainer to, you know, to project all of this transphobia um, and homophobia on me. Like, I don't have to put up with this shit. Like, I can train myself, especially with my medical background. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, and that's really what started the fitness portion um, of my journey. But I always have had like a, a grassroots kind of foundation, um, been in grassroots organizing for now about 13 years. And most of my grassroots work centered uh, racial justice, gender justice, uh, LGBTQI plus uh, issues. And so, yeah, decolonizing fitness was birthed. Yeah. Yeah, it's a kind of like a natural progression. This is what's yes. going on in my life. Now this is personally happening to me. Like, okay, here we go. And you kind of yeah. just snowball into, boom, here it is. And mm-hmm. as of today, decolonizing fitness is still just Ilya Parker, 100%, just doing all yep. this work all day, every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, um, you know, at first when I started, I still was working PRN as a, a, a PTA. Uh, at my local at a local hospital and so I had you know that subsequent income to kind of hold the business Uh, now it's just solely me on my own literally living off of donations unfortunately Uh, most of my merchandise sales goes to a pot that is like a sort of like a scholarship fund so I can continue to work with people um, at sliding scale rates uh, or no cost at all and so I, I'm just like digging further, further in this capitalistic hole because I don't have a typical like, you know, true business model in the way that I run my business. And um, I have people volunteer here and there. Most people that want to support me aren't local. Uh, and North Carolina is just a really shitty state, a very conservative state. And so it's just not easy uh, like like major um, states and bigger cities to to really get like any kind of LGBT related movement or business off of the ground. So I've been, you know, getting a lot of pushback over the years, but yeah. I still stand, you know, and I'm very thankful for my online community and they uplift me a lot. So, hey, and I have a very amazing partner who helps take care of me. I stay with her right now and it is what it is. That's amazing. I'm really glad yeah. that I'm really glad that you see what's lacking out there and you're you're really trying to put out what you want to see, you know, what you needed yourself because one you're in a very toxic me- medicine field already and your own mm-hmm. personal trainer didn't want to train you. That's shitty, but a flower bloomed, you know, from yes. that from that dark space. Um and you're making it accessible. Jeez, that sliding scale actually goes a long way and I really hope that you do get those, you know, f- funders because this shit is people are are noticing and realizing now that this is more necessary now than ever. Yes. Definitely. Yes, yes. And, and I, I want to relate to that. Um go ahead. Oh, go ahead. no, no, go ahead. And I can relate to that accessibility portion because I'm doing that in a way. I mean, I have a business, right? I have many businesses, whatever. I'm a physical therapist. I have a cash clinic, but I also see kids on the side, whatever. But I mean, people out there are charging hundreds of dollars for cash, mm-hmm. for um, cash PT services. And I'm just like, why? You mm-hmm. know, and, and then I try to give yes. students discounts, military, you get discounts, like wherever I can. If you go to my gym, I give you a discount because I'd, I'd rather you be able to afford to see me and work towards doing something than being like, oh, well, I don't have any money. I'm just going to be broken now. Like, that's some bullshit. Yes. 
And that was what I really struggled with um, being in the medical industrial complex because I feel like physical therapy, I feel like a lot of the allied health services in general are just super, super elitist, especially in the South. Um, I know, you know, in PT school with me, I was the only black person, the only one that graduated out of class of mm-hmm. 30, Two of us. Uh, you know, and, <laughs> and, across, right. <laughs> and, and I feel like it's like that, honestly, across the country. And then when you get into the prices, even even folks who can't afford PT, the PTs are so biased, so racist, so classist um, that oftentimes they'll still still deny um to, to even pick up patients. Even in the hospital, the, the PTs that I worked with, they oftentimes wouldn't want to, you know, see certain patients and they wait for the other black PT to come in. And then mm. they'd oftentimes put, when, when I would then go to see them after they evaluated them and stuff, I always had the black guy who was the drug dealer and the gang member who got <laughs> shot and they couldn't understand his language and they just felt fearful when they went into the, you know, the hospital room to see him and all this bull crap. And I'm like, man, I can't, I just, I just really got burned out in that field. Mm. Um, but you know, but like I named with my medical exercise background, I mean, with my medical background and then kind of transferring that to the medical exercise piece, I think it's been, been helpful. Like in the continuum healthcare arena too. Yeah. And I think that's a good point is is that elitist that, you know, this is for us. That's not for you. Yeah. It's kind of it's in medicine and it's also in fitness. Like that's how we get what what you call the toxic fitness culture, because that's kind of wrapped into that. Also, it's such an exclusive entity. It's like, oh, we're fit. We have rock hard abs. I have my shirt off over here. (laughs) Oh, but you no, 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 no. You know, you can't. You can't be here. <laughs> right. And then you're penalized because you can't afford it. And no right and no one really looks at the systems that are creating this, you know, the disparities. They're just, you know, seeking to blame the person for the ill health, the person for being fat. And, you know, and and not realizing that number one, um, oftentimes what survivorship looks like is that we don't even have time nor do we even think about wanting to access fitness. And then when we do access fitness, it's not in a way that can help us, you know, fall back into our bodies, realign with our bodies. It's in ways that continue to police us and further disconnect yeah. us from our bodies. Yeah, you instead know? you're denied. You're denied access. You're denied rights. And on yeah. top of that, these programs, like you can find some cookie cutter programs online, you know, tack on 50 75 dollars tack on a personal trainer another yeah. 50 75 dollars oh wait you're trans oh wait you're disabled you have a chronic mm-hmm. illness i've got to get special training or i don't even know how to work with somebody like you tack mm-hmm. on another 50 75 dollars <laughs> <laughs> it's like right god damn <laughs> right and i can you know and then tack on you know for those of us who are trans who also may be fat and disabled track tack on the the fitness clothing that we can, that isn't available for us and then tack on the fact that we literally have to educate the people that we're paying for a service oh know, yeah people that are supposedly the experts <laughs> um <laughs> who are also telling us what our bodies should do and how our bodies should look like as if they're the experts of our body and our right. lived experience yeah yeah. So you you legit trained yourself. You didn't have after that trainer denied you 
you went and like just experimented on your own or did you have somebody by your side? Well, let me say I denied that trainer and several trainers ah. that I interviewed. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. no, they didn't they didn't have what I needed. So yes, then I started studying before I got my uh, fitness certification. I just started studying about exercising because I had no clue. So I started typically like most folks start, you know, join the gym, doing random things on the machines in the gym, not really having a rhyme or reason for what I was doing. And then I picked up, went on Amazon, picked up a few fitness related books. I think one of them was like the encyclopedia of something with Arnold Schwarzenegger's picture on it. Picked up those (laughs) bodybuilding books because I've always kind of did low key love bodybuilding. Um, in particular, female bodybuilders, I just love that masculinized physique. Um, so I did follow a lot of female bodybuilders just because they were gender fucks in and of themselves, even if they weren't trying to be. Right. Um, and I've always just been into that. So, uh, kind of went down that rabbit hole for a little while and just started learning things, taking some of the anatomy and physiology shit that I learned in school, applying it. And yeah, and started training myself. And then some of my kindred, my local comrades and community were asking because they noticed the modifications in my body, especially with me trying to masculinize my physique specifically. So um, some of my trans homies were like, hey, would you mind training me? I trained a lot of people for free um, because I've been training. Let's see. I started my transition in 2000 and 10 and I started training folks in like 2012 so my body has taken (laughs) has went down so many twists and turns with how (laughs) my physique looks and um and so yeah I was very very into bodybuilding I also pushed a lot of toxic tropes of what manhood looks like Mm -hmm. um when I first started training and I and I did you know I want to acknowledge that piece but yeah, pretty much been on my own. Oh, hey, happy 10-year anniversary. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much. Now, within that, I've stopped transitioning so many damn times. I've what what we call detransition, um, but yeah, that's when the journey started. Yeah. So, thank you. And what is that for somebody that doesn't really understand what that even means? What does that mean to transition or to not do you have to do anything to be trans? Can you just wake up and say I'm trans and that's it? There has to be something that happens like what does that actually mean yeah you so it's layered so absolutely you can you can identify with whatever gender you seek it's a it's seven over seven billion people in the world it's over seven billion gender identities we we just only know man woman because we've been scripted to only know man and acknowledge man and woman so no you don't need to do anything specifically to transition Um, But with that being said, through the medical industrial complex and the pathologizing of transness, to me, um, it's a very medical-based component where with that, as I named earlier, comes this piece of taking hormones, uh, looking a certain way, getting gender-affirming surgeries. And I don't want to diminish any of of those things because many trans folks feel those things are necessary for their mental health, for their well-being. But I also want to acknowledge that you don't have to engage in any of those things and you're just as valid. You also don't even have to have gender dysphoria. A lot of people think, well, I don't feel that I'm trans because I don't necessarily hate my body or I don't Mm -hmm. look in the mirror and wish my body. That's a script that we've carried because as mainstream kind of um, begins to learn more about 
transness and what it means to be trans, we have this kind of notion of, well, I looked in the mirror or I was born in the wrong body. And that's right. bullshit, too. Uh, that's I exactly think it, it, the sentence that I always hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so many people, so many people say that. And because we just want to compartmentalize things that we don't understand and try to put this nice, neat bow on it. But bottom line is whatever individual you come across who tells you if they choose to disclose their gender identity, their pronouns, that is what it is. And ain't no questions asked, period. You respect them for for what that is. It's as far as it goes and that's as far as it needs to go. Yeah. Uh, uh, You know, if somebody wants to have that conversation with you, that's one thing. But Mm -hmm. I do feel like there's also that bit where people just like demand information. Like, like if you say you're trans, oh, oh, did you get a search? Oh, did you do this? Right. Oh, but what do you do? Mm -hmm. Oh, like you, but you you don't have to be, you're not there. Right. Right. (laughs) Like they always make it about them. They always make it about them and how hard it is for them to (laughs) make sure that they don't misgender you but it's like what about what i'm going through what the fuck right right and it's so easy to be like well it's so hard i've known you as this all your oh, life it's no oh, different good. than somebody gets married and changes their last name it's the same yeah. fucking thing yeah you know and <laughs> a lot of times we we use these tired weak excuses when really we just want to continue to be bigots we want to continue to be transphobic And that's really what it is. And I wish people would name that. I have more respect for folks who say, hey, I don't like you because you're trans and that and it is what it is. than people who want to pretend to be allies or to to pretend to support the community that I exist in when really they they easily can access the education to learn about trans folks in the age of information. Now, it's no excuse. It's no excuse for people to be racist. Well, Racism is just embedded in our society, but it's no excuse for you to play the ignorance card. Exactly. Or the, yeah. oh, well, I've never had a trans friend. I never had a black right. friend, disabled friend ever in my life. So you got to teach me. No. Right, right. <laughs> How do you, I cannot stand that shit. How do you expect me to learn I'm if I'm not exposed to, yeah. Yeah. Bullshit. I think, you know, as much as therapy is, a blessing to have in this world in this society and how necessary it is for people like us I think it's equally as necessary to like closer circles that don't know how to accept us yet because Mm -hmm. I just had a tough conversation with with a family member who can't get over their daughter transitioning into Mm -hmm. a male like Mm -hmm. oh you know, how how am I supposed to feel as a mom losing her daughter? I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you got to see it as a birth of a new person and accept mm-hmm. that. It's mm-hmm. hard, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and I'd rather us flip it, too, and have compassion for a person who was ascribed a gender without their consent. Mm-hmm. Because gender, yeah, we know it's a construct, but it's often violently placed upon us. And then I want to lift up those of us or I don't I am not intersex, but I want to lift lift those who are intersex, too, who have often had to undergo at very, very young ages, mm-hmm. um, you know, very horrific surgeries on their genitalia. Because, again, we're trying to create and re or trying to reinforce this gender binary. That's fa- a fairly new concept 
in the grand scheme of things, you know, because so many genders, especially in countries and societies across the world culturally, have existed well beyond man and woman. I think, in fact, the United States is the one that upholds that the most. But if you look at Asia, India, a lot of, you know, and go way back, that yeah. shit has not existed. Mm-hmm. But this is the one that we feel is the the monolith for the way we should live our lives. And that's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You're not even allowed to consent until after you're 18. That's the worst part. Yeah. Yeah. It's all said and done. And it's like, oh, wait, but, but, oh, all right. Right. <laughs> and then you wonder why so many people struggle with not being connected to their bodies. And why we walk around and we're like this this head type of society because we put so much emphasis on the importance of the mind and the mind is the central processing unit of the whole body and all this shit. And then we're walking around and we're not even free in our own bodies. Mm-mm. Just yeah. walking heads, you know, or moving That's heads nice. in this world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was I was listening to have you ever uh, is it what is it hood rap no hood yes. rap to head rap so <laughs> yes. I'm saying it all messed up. Hood rap to head so rap. That's I was listening to an episode, but it was like a way older one, <laughs> and they were talking about how our society is just stuck on a binary period. And yes. I started thinking about it like, damn, they are so right. So yes. male, female, that's it. You're white or you're not white. That's it. Mm-hmm. Fuck off. You know, you're, you're mm-hmm. able-bodied or you're not. Fuck or off. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> like you're yeah. you're beautiful or you're not. And by beauty, I mean you know, cis, blonde, fair, yeah. the bluest of eyes, conventionally beauty. Mm-hmm. If you're not, fuck off. Like we're literally obsessed. And if you ask anyone to think outside of the either or, then they want to take things personal. Like, oh, I, I'm not a bad person. Or, you know, you ask people to take time to think about, okay, well, what about this other side of it? Mm-hmm. And they're sorts of confused all of a sudden. Like. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, the, and the thing that really bothers me the most about the binary systems is that the, the direct opposite, you have to be in direct opposition to the other side of the binary, you yeah. know, because mm-hmm. I'm... I, you know, oftentimes me identifying as transmasculine as well as non-binary, people think that when I say down with the binary, um, that I mean that I don't like when folks identify within the binary. I don't give a fuck <laughs> that folks identify within the binary. I'm just saying just because you want to embrace masculinity or you identify as a man doesn't mean that you have to be in direct opposition to all that is feminine. That's the exactly. issue, you know, for me at least. And that, and I think that's where we run into a lot of trouble is that, okay, able-bodied or not. So everything that I yes. can do, I'm able-bodied. Oh, I can lift weights. Whoa, there's a page of people lifting weights. I don't get it. Right. <laughs> and like then it. when you, and then when you see this rare unicorn butterfly person who is who has a physical disabled disability that's present and they're lifting weights or doing some shit that you think is just beyond the realm of what their body can do all of a sudden they become this fucking inspiration porn uh-huh. <laughs> which is small bullshit i that is some serious uh, we had a whole episode pretty much dedicated to that yeah that one's how to treat your token disabled friend <laughs> oh shit oh yeah i love that title we met that oh, shit oh hell yeah yes i love um, it but i'm curious do you 
So I'm sure we all have individual situations where someone's being ableist, racist, or transphobic, whatever. How do you, like, on a day-to-day, do you sit there and fight back against everyone? Like, do you have the energy for that, or do you just kind of keep rolling? How do you address that day-to-day? Um, it, it, it varies on the safety, on the physical safety aspect for me, because I do, yeah, although, you know, most, most marginalized folks just because of sheer survivorship have to spend a lot of time educating people because, you know, otherwise we can't live. You know, if, if we didn't take the time to put work out into the world, to bring nuance, to bring layers and depth, people just would not fucking know or wouldn't wouldn't care to know in a way that brings our humanity back. So right. I think every person who is marginalized just has to do some type of education. It's just built into our survivorship. So it just, it really depends on the, you know, the mood I'm in, how many spoons I got, what, you know what I mean? If I'm just, just, just out of it that day or whatever. But um, I funnel a lot of that, like my day-to-day shit, I might not say anything in person again, cause of my safety. But what what I'll then do is turn around and make that into a meme or some mm-hmm. type of um, jewel I'll drop on social media or something. And that's just a way that I can still push that education out into the world. What about you, Mary Beth? Or what, how do you handle it? Oh, it's tough. But it's it's exactly the way that I mean, you know, there are days where we have our off days and don't want to are just aren't moni- motivated, aren't mm-hmm. mo- motivated to talk and educate somebody aren't motivated to you know train what you're supposed to train this week um but it's so important still that we realize that our our mental strength is still there Mm -hmm. and the fact that you know these fake feminists are trying to still erase you know the disabled shit that we experienced on a given day and the trans shit that you experience on a given day, you know, and erasing those stories, like, that's that's kind of what fuels my fire. Yeah, yeah. that's I real. Think, yeah, I think I can't, for me it depends. It just depends. And there are times where it's like, you know, like, it might be the end of a long day and it's just, like, somebody at work that you don't really fuck with anyway and you're not even going to talk to them for another two weeks and they might say mm. some like ignorant ass shit and I just be like you know what all right no maybe not today but then on the other hand there might be it just depends it just depends where I'm at like you said how many spoons I got Mm -hmm. do I think this conversation is gonna get anywhere if I start it (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) yeah that part yeah yeah I think what helps me a lot is kind of removing myself from the conversation a lot of the times because it helps me uplift others and their disabilities and their, you know, issues. So if somebody laughs at something, you know, at work, I speak up about that, even though I still have my own insecurities when it comes to my disability. Like um, that, that helps me be a lot less ableist, you know, internally ableist. I mean, it's kind yeah, of a weird space because in, in one sense, you could understand that, like, it's not everybody's job to be the activist and to be the advocate, you know, be the one that's trying to advocate for everyone all the time. But on the other hand, for the people that are, I mean, that's, you know, that's how we move things forward, because we could mm-hmm. post wonderful, lovely things online. But, like, we know how algorithms work. Like, mm-hmm. somebody that just voted for Trump and is going to a rally tonight is never going to mm-hmm. see our fucking page. Like, mm-hmm. The ones so, who need like, to see it most. Yeah, so it's it's kind of tricky because you know that those are the, the real life conversations definitely matter, but mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I can't always have them. I really yeah. I mean to be honest. I'm that's not always so there. That's so true. And that's why it's important. You know, I always tell folks who hold that privilege, who have a little bit more safety, who have the class status um, to to talk to your, you know, folks in your bubbles, the ones who are fucking the homophobes and the fucking ableist pieces of shit that yeah. that, you know, give us hell <laughs> like they your uncles. You sitting, you know, breaking bread with them at Thanksgiving, like holla at them. <laughs> exactly. Let them know what's good, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause I, cause that way, if they do, cause I, that's funny you had mentioned about the Trump supporters, cause the way shit goes, you know, as your pages continue to grow, then those are the motherfuckers who are the trolls, yeah, and they come and they come just yep. to bash your shit, and like I even had a, a wave of trolls on my Facebook like page who, um, their whole purpose was to dec- decrease my review, so oh they were, my um, gosh. <laughs> doing um like one ratings and putting all these fucked up comments and shit and on facebook you can't delete those at all um you can try to report the pages but that shit is stuck on your facebook page forever so i just reached and this was about a year ago and i just reached out to community and i was like hey can y'all go and drop some comments you know rate it um you know rate my page and shit can you go comment on these folks comment and stuff yeah yeah, that did that did keep the trolls from coming because it's like a floodgate opens. Damn. Once a few trolls come, it's like they just come out of the woodworks after that. Mhm. Yeah. Like they got a giant group text or some shit. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Anti fan pages exist. That's wild. Yeah. Oh right, right. That is so true. But it is important. It's important to have these conversations in real time. And when the shit happens in the moment, like shit. Yeah. 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 So, um, someone we had on our our last episode, who I actually coach, she's in the same area with me. Her name's Dana. She was telling me the story how she checked this cute little ass lady at Publix, and I oh, was just wow. like, "Damn, bitch! I don't know if I ha- I would have done that. Like, <laughs> damn! Like, she she checked Whoa. her. She checked her. Like, it's somebody you know. She's a Spanish. She's Colombian. So she speaks Spanish to her. They vibe. You know how you doing? How I'm doing? You know, it's yeah. it's her Publix. You know, you see the same people. And she wow. said some, she went in and the, and the little lady said some racist ass shit. Like, oh, you know, these black ladies always coming in here with these coupons. It's so annoying. Oh, and she was like, ma'am, ma'am, everybody <laughs> uses coupons. Why'd you have to tell me they were black? Right. And wow. the lady's like, I'm not racist. I have black friends. And it was like, oh, was like, oh my gosh. Of course. Like, what's a, wait, hold on. What's a Publix? <laughs> Oh, oh! I love Where's Coast over here? Oh, it's a grocery store. It's okay, yeah, it's a grocery store. <laughs> oh no! Expensive grocery yeah, store. Yeah, she, she checked cool. an adorable little old lady. Like that, that takes something. <laughs> like you like, gotta have lady, that. You peak. can get it too. <laughs> you gotta have that like, condition for that. <laughs> you do. Yeah, that that takes a lot. To, uh, wow. I, if anything, I might just give a deep sigh or something like that. I'm mad. If you don't disclose your gender or you know that you you identify as non-binary or any of those mm-hmm. things, do people assume certain things about you? Yeah, I think um, for those of us who who kind of intentionally present masculine. It's always the, the assumption, especially if we have facial hair, that we're cis men uh, and our proximity to like cis masculinity. We kind of get clumped into this category of a certain privilege that we carry. So that's been difficult for me to navigate. And then it just also removes me from my queerness because, um, 
you know, it's a thing. Like, it really is a thing to look androgynous. Like, androgyny has a look now, unfortunately. Gender in and of itself has a quote-unquote look. It right. shouldn't, but it does. And so if I don't do anything in particular to heighten my quote-unquote queerness, um, I'm naturally assumed to be not only a cis man, but a heterosexual cis man. Because mm-hmm. heterosexuality is also assumed very much. Um, and so I'll usually, like, Honestly, to, to realign with my queerness, I'll usually usually wear a shirt that's super queer or I'll say something. And I know this is hella problematic, but I just cannot stand being viewed as a cis man. I just can't. I really cannot. And But I also want to look masculine because that's where I feel comfortable at. So that's right. been a real struggle. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get it, but I don't get it, right? Because I can see that, right. okay, being the cis heterosexual male like you're doing everything you can be you can do to not be the standard but mm-hmm. then you are now the standard like that's not where i was going right so I right get, i get that part of it yeah and that's uh, and unfortunately again going back to the gender binary it's very difficult because the the natural assumption to see someone who's masculine and this is also uh, i want to throw this piece in to see people who aren't intentionally presenting masculine for example if you have a trans feminine person who still looks masculine by societal standards has a Mm -hmm. very very different visceral experience with anti-transness than i would um so you know it's it's hard because I think men are trash as a movement, um, cis men in particular, <laughs> cis, cis white men. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the shit we go through is because of cis white men. And so I just don't want to be aligned with, you know, any type of cis masculinity. But, you know, it's, it's I'm just I'm just stuck, you know, so I just try to do what I can to move through that and unhinge toxic masculinity, which is also ascribed to me solely because of how I look. Right. Because also, you know, when we move in social justice arenas and folks who are more conscious, folks who are in like feminist spaces, it's down with the patriarchy. Men are trash, like I named. And so by default, if you look anything like what a cis man would look like, therefore you are trash. Therefore, you uphold the patriarchy. Therefore, you are toxic. Mm. You know, so I've I've also done a lot of um, at workshops trying to remove the immediate need to house masculinity in and of itself as toxic and understand that it's it's a lot of layers to that for those of us who are assigned female at birth who look masculine for those of us who are trans queer non-binary gender non-conforming who look masculine like you can't just put like this band-aid or this general stamp that anything masculine is toxic because I, right. I don't I, inherently I believe masculine is just as masculinity and all energies in between um, are just as beautiful you know the, as femininity and how does that translate to you in the fitness space because I could imagine that you presenting as you know a cis woman you're gonna hear oh you want to lose weight oh you want to mm-hmm. get toned mm-hmm. oh this is oh buy this weight trimmer but I, I, I could imagine you presenting as a cis man they're going to be like bro you want to get shredded exactly <laughs> yeah and is, so, is that actually happening to you or oh, how yeah. does that work oh, <laughs> yeah when i when i was bush and i still very much identify as a bush and i know that sounds like all over the place but yeah i, I resonate with bush butchness i haven't had any gender affirming surgeries and i'm proudly not saying that 
all women have breasts and you're a woman if you have breasts. But I very proudly hold my breasts. I love my breasts. Um, so folks will see me in the gym uh, before, you know, I transitioned. You know, I had a very large breast. I was very strong as a quote unquote cis woman. So right. I was, you know, lifting the weight stack back in the day and doing all this douchebaggy shit. And so, of course, <laughs> men were very cis men were very intimidated because I wasn't the I wasn't the woman. I also also blackness and yeah. butchness carries very different with, with the way men interact with us, especially black men. So I never got, hey, let me show you how to do that. I never got a, you know, the, the the really weird guy coming up behind me doing that shit. I got, oh, I can live with you, live. You ain't nobody. You just a dyke. You know, I got that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I transitioned, I got, wow, you're doing all these weird stretches. Men don't stretch that way. Wow, why are you just lifting five pound dumbbells and doing all this mobility? You know what I mean? So it's it's difficult. I and then plus I have the facial hair, the breast tissue, and it's just like again, I'm just a gender fuck all the way across the board. Um, and I can't wait to I'm more comfortable in my body because I legit will be wearing sports bras with a full goatee in the gym. And I dare somebody to say something. <laughs> say something at all. <laughs> <I'm gonna> say <laughs> <something>. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, it's a lot. It's intense. It's you know, and I I know that's a lot in the South for people to swallow. Um, but again, my body has the right to show up how it needs to show up, and this is also why I don't work out at a lot of commercial gyms. Right. Because it's just too much unnecessary attention and again then safety comes into it. So yeah. I could imagine. And I I'm the same. I can't you know, I'm lucky that I have a gym and people there don't really give a shit about what you're doing. But, like, if I was still stuck in a commercial gym setting, I probably would have given this up. Because, mm. I, I, you know, I do get that, like, you know, I'm whatever, nice curves, you know, I have a nice complexion. Um, You know, I'm not too dark, which is great for people. Yeah. You know, I got curls, I have the good hair. You know, I'm like, it's to the point where if, if I was going to a commercial gym, I'd be like, mm, no, I can't wear these leggings. I'm going to get too much attention. That's real. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, I go to my gym now. I take my shirt off. I got some booty shorts on. I'm comfortable. I don't give a shit. But, like, I'm not going to go into L.A. fitness like that. Well, I'm hearing, too, that a lot of gyms are actually putting a dress code. Mm-hmm. Um, Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Women or presenting women are not allowed to just walk around in their sports bra. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what's so funny? When I worked at Planet Fitness, men couldn't wear the muscle tanks that were <laughs> had the like deep cuts on the side. Um, wow. But women could wear booty shorts and uh, sport, and sports bras. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. And a lot of and a because lot of who's making these rules, cis <laughs> right. cis white men. Right. <laughs> So oh, that's interesting movies. now that they're actually saying that women can't wear sports bras because I didn't even know that was a thing. Wow. No, I didn't know either. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, yeah I'm hearing it down in L.A. I don't know if it's because it's on or near university campuses, but mm. it's it's even like dress codes at school, like because mm-hmm. boys will be boys. That's some bullshit. Right. That is some bullshit. But that really brings up, like, again, why education on trans masculine health and fitness is so important because mm. you you get those people looking at you like, why are you doing that as a man? And, like, paving that way and paving or, you know, 
opening the gates for somebody that's going through that same shit you went through 10, 15 years ago mm-hmm. um, is so important. Thank you. Thank you. And um, speaking of uh, trans health care, I think I'll be in your neck of the woods, Marcia, in uh, April the 3rd. It's uh, in Gainesville, University of Florida, I think. What? I'll be doing, doing a workshop. I'll be doing a workshop down there. So there, it's a uh, Oh, I don't want to forget. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull up their flyer. But um, so the College of Health and Human Performance, I believe, is having a transparency, transparency and beyond the binary inclusive fitness workshop. Oh, and so they're doing this research and they're really trying to reach out to a lot of fitness certifications to ask why they don't have specifically when it gets into the anatomy and physiology and some of like the clinical assessments that we attach to like exercise and stuff as a trainer, why they don't specifically highlight like trans folks, anybody outside of man, woman. Right. And so um, they had their college students like make it like this big class project. And they went into a lot of local gyms in Gainesville and beyond and like did a lot of research. And so I think they started last year and then they kind of just add on to the research each year. So they're bringing me in this year to be like a speaker. But um, folks are, you know, in the fitness arena, I just wanted to lift that up that we're really starting to call account to like these accrediting bodies and these certifications because they're pushing for those who get certs because I know you don't have to be a trainer to yeah you know what I mean but yeah but we're still calling this out like hey y'all are pushing a lot of these narratives of what mainstream fitness is and toxic fitness culture in and of itself and diet culture Mm -hmm. so if you um I'll send you the information if you want to come through maybe we could link up I don't know how close you are to that area but um it's some hours but send it to me send it okay to me. i'll definitely send I'll it figure to it out yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and we like think that that's 6th. actually happening yeah i was shocked and um when they hit me up i was like oh wow i didn't even know folks were doing this work because it's very little research with just the uh effects of um just taking hormones just that piece of transitioning it's very little research on the effects of the body and so to to even be doing this work within the fitness arena, I was like really, really surprised. Mm-hmm. And if any of our listeners know of anything similar else that's going on, please share it with us so so we could kind of lift it up and share it also. Yeah. Because that's pretty awesome. I know when I went to school, we had a, a bit about, okay, this is what it's like, and this is the surgery, and this is what they do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was kind of it. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it was like in depth it wasn't an exploration as you know the binary or anything like that it was just like a, oh this exists just so you know yeah. and you know i didn't think it was that much like it, it wasn't that deep but even that by itself is more than what most of these other therapy programs are doing like that's not even it's not even a bullet point on any of their powerpoints right yeah i'm surprised we didn't yeah we didn't get any of that none of that shit and now you know i was transitioning in school and I hell I was just doing good just to hang in the program they were trying to put me out every other day (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah so so then for those that kind of you know work in the same field as you um you know other personal trainers other 
um, just people in that same industry? How can other physical therapists, how can they or we just make fitness a lot more inclusive? If they're not putting out the same type of work that you do, how can they start? Well, first, educate yourselves. Um, you know, I do workshops. I do a workshop called Affirming Spaces where I literally can come into a gym. I can, you know, talk one-on-one with the coach or trainer or PT and, and just kind of give you step-by-step guides to, like, be more inclusive and affirming to a diverse group of people. And then, you know, secondly, listen to your clients, listen to your patients, you know, who are they, what do they want, what are their needs? And, you know, it's your job as a clinician, as a trainer, you know, as any type of therapist in general is to understand, try your best to empathize, to come from a trauma-informed, do-no-harm practice and really, Mm -hmm. you know, provide as safe as possible a physical environment, an emotional environment, you know what I mean, a mental health environment for your for your folks. Like, um, follow people on Instagram, you know, teach yourself in that way. At least, you know, get make yourself aware of the language. Mm-hmm. Um, look, look at your physical space, look at how you sh- even show up online and see how accessible you know, physically, financially, socially, you're making your services. Um, Also, you can even put on your website, I've told folks to put on your website, hey, like, what ways can I show up um, in community? I'm I'm here of service. Don't just stamp that you're an ally. You know, ask ask your community, what ways can I do better? Where am I fucking up? You know, hold me accountable. Um, Those are just some things that I can think off the top. Yeah, I think the biggest part of that is that there's a a nice and lengthy list of different things you can do. And it's never going to be just one thing. Like, you're not just going to go to one diversity class and like, oh, I get it. Yeah, you're not just going to talk to one person. You know, you're not going to comment on somebody's page. like, Oh, I'm woke now. Like, yeah, (laughs) you're never, ever, ever just checking off a list. Like, Mm -hmm. am I accessible? Am I, you know, all these things you got to listen to people's stories. Absolutely. It's very much ongoing. You never stop learning. You never stop trying to do better. So, yeah. Exactly. And just because you are somebody that is on the other side of something, you're disabled or, you know, you're black, you're Asian, you're whatever. It doesn't mean that you even understand all of those different experiences. And on top of that, it doesn't mean that you understand how all those intersections play out. Right, right. Uh, you have no idea. Like, Mary Beth, when we, we had an episode where we kind of talked about how we grew up and try to, like, figure out, you know, how that molds us. And she was telling us how she used to pretend to be Mexican. Like, she pretended <laughs> straight up, just kicked the, you know, I'm not Filipino, no. I, I'm Mexican, just so she could mm. fit in. Like, you know, mm. I'm black, I'm not white. I would have never gotten that. Mm. So mm. I can't even pretend to understand anyone else's experience. I think that's also a part of this process is like, number one, like, okay, somebody else has something else going on. I might not understand it. And that's okay. Cause it's, right. it's not about me. Right, right, right. And yeah, cause I, and you're right. Cause I tell people that all the time, like I can't, you know, I can name intersectionality and I can understand that. Like you, like you mentioned that one margin marginalized identity doesn't mean that you can speak for all folks. And I do my best to try to bring those folks in who have those lived experiences. If you have a platform, try to lift them up, you know, point people in the direction where they can go directly to the people who have these lived experiences. Exactly. 
take a mental break <laughs> for this episode. Be ready. Right. <laughs> I get that a lot. People are like, ooh, that was that was some heavy shit. Okay. <laughs> but it's real. It's your everyday lived experience, you know. Yeah. That's true. Well, I got one more question before, because I know um, we might be running out of time soon. But I had this recent conversation with, and it was a fairly toxic conversation, you know. I work on the Berkeley campus, very, Berkeley here in California, um, Mm -hmm. you know, very left-wing uh, yeah. forward thinking progressive exactly <laughs> all these things a lot of them um, white progressive mm-hmm. um, and still trying to grab hold of this new gender pronouns and non-binary and um, so when we have those conversations it's always tight you know it doesn't have to mm-hmm. be but there are lots of students lots of staff that these managers are are starting to you know um, get to know who are non-binary and mm-hmm. some managers have come to me and said you know it really it really makes it hard for me that I have to I have to call them them or they and I I forget because they're they're the gender that they're presenting is more male than female and it I'm just like stop (laughs) fucking stop right and then they bring up other stories where it's like oh um my husband you know is a is a psychologist and he's got these clients who use the they them pronouns but they're you know in a um cisgendered you know married um relationship of of non-trans folks Mm -hmm. why are they allowed to present as they them and not understanding the allyship the allyship behind that Mm -hmm. how do you you feel about others quote-unquote using the they them pronouns to be more oh that's a good question um that kind of reminds me of when uh heterosexual couples um identify and they call their loved one partner Oh yeah, or their wife respect. You know what I mean, and and a lot of people have issues with that. I love the way, as a whole, that we're queering up language. I think that's just the time period that we're in, and when you have an evolution of language, <clears throat> you're gonna have people that are gonna put their own meaning to the new words. There's no stamp of wh- who can use they and them. Um, I think it's a it's just an individual situational type of thing. I by no means am ever going to check nobody on when they <laughs> choose to use a term. I don't give a fuck enough to check nobody, honestly, unless they're just really showing up shitty and it's directly affecting someone who is more marginalized than them. Um, I do also note that whiteness in and of itself seeks to consume every fucking thing True. black, brown, and indigenous folks create. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then, but then you add the layer of this particular type of language also coming out of white queer academia. So it's complicated. Um, a lot of the shit that I teach comes from the West Coast. And so, you know, it's just a way that the West Coast kind of moves queerness. What, you know, the West Coast has always like been pioneers with queerness. And with <laughs> that comes, you know, white ass liberals and progressives kind of taking it and and doing this thing with it so it's yeah it's that's a good ass question i really don't have no straight answer to it you know but i will check a white liberal or progressive in a hot second yeah no thank you yeah that's shit i 
trying, oh, but do, you know, do, do what you do, because I show will. They don't, they don't even try that shit around me, because they know how I move, <laughs> especially in person. I'm just, I don't like to say I'm so radical, because I hate when people do that. I right. just know, I just don't play that shit. You know, I just don't. So, yeah, do what you need to do. But it would, it would kind of have me like, you know. So. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, too. no, exactly. Thank you. That's that's really important. You're welcome. I didn't even know about the partner thing as a as that, a as a topic of issue. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know that one. That's funny because oh, I've been using quick, that for a while. Yeah, and real quick with that, and this kind of piggybacks off your question. Um, people are trying to be more adjacent to queerness because with the mainstream infiltration of like social justice shit it turns into a trend so that's also the other piece with when it comes to like um respecting pronouns and this being a whole thing like everybody and their mama want to use they and them everybody and their mama (laughs) want to have their nails painted black everybody Everybody wants to buy a rainbow in the month of june (laughs) right you know and you know the corporatization of like you know lgbt shit like you know bank of america and stuff having a rainbow and shit during yeah. pride month like all all that stuff yeah you know it's just the way capitalist societies have just infiltrated and then mainstream is infiltrated and thank you it up. yeah yeah no that's why we say a lot like you got to be intentional about your activism mm-hmm. if you can realize that you can turn that pride switch on and off you can take that rainbow shirt and all of a sudden you are okay to the rest of society, you know, like mm. yeah, you can turn right. it off and on like your black scent or your, your right. slang words right. and all that. Like, okay. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> right. Even though, you know, we got a code switch as black folks, you know, yeah. from time to time in the in the working arena and shit. Just to be respected, unfortunately. But I feel you. Well, yeah, I think we covered a lot of stuff here that will definitely at least educate some people or help them feel like they have the tools to have some conversations they need to have. And we would always love to have you back. We could talk shit forever. There's a lot of shit to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very fun. Anything else to add, Mary Beth? No, I mean, you're right. There's lots of shit to talk about, lots of shit to unpeel. You yeah. know, uh, even after this conversation, if something comes up, you got to come right back to us and we'll we'll just vent about it. I would love uh, to do that. <laughs> but definitely, like, um, we'll definitely, you know, link your Affirming Spaces ebook because that's one very, very important. And I know you've got some training series online as well as some personal training programs. We need to get that stuff out there. But is there is there anything else you want to, you know, um, inform our listeners that or of resources um i really i really i'm about to and your podcast is on there i'm about to put on my patreon a list of my favorite podcasts Mm -hmm. um but i i really encourage people to support my patreon uh that helps me sustain this work because i'm still a black trans person resting Mm -hmm. at the poverty line And so I'm no longer able to put as much free shit out on Instagram. I do what I can to make my stuff accessible because I know people who can't afford to become Patreon members need a way to access my stuff. And I understand that. But support my Patreon. If you do a Patreon search, Decolonizing Fitness, I'll pop right up. 
But um, yeah. Exactly. And buy their swag. Look at the. Hell yeah. yeah. Buy, buy the, the swag. Sh- Thank buy you. The swag. Buy the merch. Buy the merch. <laughs> loving it. All right. Just see your shirts and all these articles too. I'm just like, yeah, it's all out there. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Disabled Girls out. Thanks for listening to Disabled Girls Who Left. We appreciate all of your support and everyone who's taken the time to show us some love. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, or write a review of our channel. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Player FM, Google Podcasts, and more. You can also find us on Instagram, at Disabled Girls Who Left.